month, we're going to be looking at the different covenants, the different old covenants uh, against the new covenant. Um, And so these four covenants today is the Noahic covenant, the covenant that God made with Noah. I didn't know that Noahic was a word. Um, So I'm not going to be, I'm not going to act all uh, seminarian on you here. I, I just, I just looked at the Bible project and some other resources, but Noahic covenant. Um, and so a covenant is uh, different than a contract, you might know. A contract, you know, we have at our church, we have some um, memorandums of understanding with different uh, ministries, organizations on how they can use our space, uh, what days, what places, um, some rules, some terms, conditions, how long, what is the duration of this? It, that's essentially a contract. It's transactional, right? You get this, I get this. You're going to clean up when you, don't, when you use the space. <laughs> um, but a covenant's way different than that, right? It's relational. It's personal. And it's a partnership. Think of marriage. Like, marriage is a partnership unto a goal. Like you're moving, you're working toward something together. Even as it is also just to be with each other, right? And so we see in covenant that God makes these covenants at different points of time. Now just a quick overview of the story of Noah. Because we're going to read today the passage of the covenant that he made after the flood. So you may all know this story. But if even one of you don't, it's worth sharing it. Um, Basically, um, in Noah's day, there was in every intention of all of man, apart from Noah, evil only continually. Genesis 6-5. Every intention of the heart of man, only evil continually. And so, it was in this day, in this context... And we can't imagine that. This is a a dark day. And yet we can relate, given the depravity of man into which we're born. Right? That we all fall short. And so again, we always look at this remembering that we can relate to this in our need for a Savior. Um, but, But these were especially dark days on earth where no one was seeking the Lord. I mean, except Noah and his family. Noah walked with God. He was righteous. He was blameless. And Noah um, had favor with the Lord. And so the Lord said, I am going to send a flood and destroy the earth as we know it. But I'm going to preserve you, Noah, and your family. So I want you to build an ark because I'm also going to preserve these creatures and pairs of every kind. And, you know, he put them on the ark. And for better than a year, the waters increased in this flood and decreased uh, in time and receded over the course of a year. It's time. And it's on the other end of Noah and his family and the animals, the creatures being able to come out of the ark onto the ground that the Lord speaks then to Noah and cuts this covenant with him. So um, we're going to be in Genesis 9, verses 8 through 17. And it's on the screen. And I'm in the way of it. You guys see that? Probably not everybody can see. I'm always going to be in somebody's. So, but I'll be reading it out loud. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, I now establish my covenant with you 
and with your descendants after you, and with every living creature that was with you, the birds, the livestock, and all the wild animals, all those that came out of the ark with you, every living creature on earth. I establish my covenant with you. Never again will all life be destroyed by the waters of a flood. Never again will there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, This is the sign of the covenant I am making between me and you and every living creature with you, a covenant for all generations to come. I have set my rainbow in the clouds, and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and the earth. Whenever I bring clouds over the earth and the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will remember my covenant between me and you and all living creatures of every kind. Never again will the waters become a flood to destroy all life. Whenever the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and all living creatures of every kind on earth. So God said to Noah, this is a sign of the covenant I've established between me and all life on the earth. So growing up, I grew up in the church and I heard this story and, you know, I was generally an optimist coupled with only hearing the Noah part of this story, where it's like Noah was righteous, he was the hero of the story, is what I thought, right? And, and just like, um, and I had this sanitized version that I would hear too about the ark. Like, can you imagine this ark? I mean, it's one thing to have a barn, it's another thing to live in one for a year. I mean, the nastiness of this ark, right? Of like the of it on the inside, like with all these animals, and you're stuck on this ark, and um, and yet, so for all those all those things, like I, I really had this limited, very limited perspective. I probably still do on some level of what happened in that day. Um, but I do ask, uh, I do, and I do think it's important for us to have permission to ask the question, like, why, Lord, this flood. I mean, this is a really, this is a hard passage about the flood. You know, that he sent a flood to destroy the earth. Um, and so you can imagine Noah's, though living in the, in the barn uh, kind of atmosphere, you can imagine his gratitude though, right? Like, he was preserved. I mean, this was catastrophic. This was crazy. And so... I think we should have permission to ask that. God's not threatened by our questions. And I'm also not here to defend God. Uh, he, he didn't do anything wrong. Um, and more than that, we know that God is good. And we know from the breadth of Scripture that He's predisposed to bless and to give life. Do you remember when um, He said to Moses and the Israelites, He said, blessings and curses I hold out to you. Life and death I hold out to you. Choose life. Choose blessings. And the people of that day chose curses. They chose death. They and we deserve death. Right? And so even in this context of God flooding the earth... He demonstrates His goodness by preserving anybody at all. (laughs) And so we see in this picture, God saves a remnant, not because Noah deserved it. 
right? Noah was a man of faith. This was credited to him as righteousness. But was Noah perfect? Were we saved through Noah? That's how I know he wasn't. And we do see after he gets off the ark, he sins later on. And we, do get a, we do get explicit story of, of uh, Noah's failures as well. However, we do get this picture that it, this is God's strange act. The flood, right? And we, we even on this side of the New Covenant, we see in the book of Acts with Ananias and Sapphira, we see stra- the strange act of God. But there are these moments in history that we see this. And God says, I'll have compassion on whom I have compassion. You know, but God is good. And in this story even, He is merciful. But I think we should have permission to ask the questions. You know, because when we dig deeper, we get to these, we do get to these answers and we get to the depth of how good He is and how much I was really saved from. Right? <laughs> That's why I think it's good that it's even good to ask the questions. Let's go deeper in, not refrain from and be fearful of God so he doesn't send a flood on me or something, right? It's like, no, let's let's explore the depths of his goodness and his mercies and what it means for my life. Right? And so he's predisposed to bless. And love is fundamentally a choice. And sometimes I share this at funerals. You know, where there's tragedy or early death. But like when we ask these questions, why God, right? <laughs> but, but love is fundamentally a choice. Yeah. And you know, God's not an abusive father or a controlling father who's, gonna, who's trying to make us love him, Amen. right? Yeah. And so he's not manipulating us to try to get, to trick us to love him, all right? Love is a choice. And he's saying, choose life, choose to love me back. You know, I love you with an everlasting love. Receive my love, with which you can then love me. <laughs> right? And so, that's the heart of the gospel. And God didn't make us choose rightly. And God's also not indifferent. Right? God sent His Son as the way and the Word. The pro- His promised Son, Jesus. When there was no way, and He flooded the earth, He made a way. An ark He left a remnant, Noah. And when there was no way, God made a way and sent His Son. The way and the Word for this morning is the promised Son, Jesus Christ. That's the Word. He's the Word every morning we meet. (laughs) That He is the way and the Word for us this morning. Isaiah prophesied, the people walked in darkness. And they've seen the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. If you want to know what the Father's heart's like, look at Jesus on the cross. And I said this a few months ago during Vision Sunday, but we look at Christ crucified because we see the Father's heart in that. We see his nature, his holiness. There had to be a way made for us. Through the shedding of blood for the forgiveness of sins. Otherwise, there'd be no forgiveness of sins. <laughs> you know? We see His love. He sent His only Son. That whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. And so on and so forth. And we see His mercy. We see His justice, His grace, and His truth at the cross. And so God made a way through the new covenant in Jesus' blood where there was no way. And this, I want to show you, is a better covenant 
than the covenant struck with Noah. You know the covenant struck with Noah was a one-way covenant. It was an unconditional covenant. And again, rooted in God's goodness, God promises, I will never flood the earth. And he's not a man that he should lie. We know he will not flood the earth. And isn't it like one of the coolest things ever about the rainbow? I mean that we still see rainbows like constantly today. And we know that that's what it means. Like, I don't know how it got there, but that's the only thing that I know it means. Is this unconditional covenant? It's pretty phenomenal, right? I mean, it's pretty, it's good. Thing. It's a good stuff. And so, I mean, it's like we look at this, and God remembers, and I remember. He's not going to do that again. In fact, we know by way of the cross that He's not going to do that again. If the rainbow wasn't enough, though it is, we know by way of the cross He's not going to because Jesus took all our punishment upon Him once and for all. Once and for all. And that's what makes this a better covenant. If there wasn't a need for a covenant after Noah, there wouldn't have been one. Right? But there were several. And this one is the best one. The one that accomplished once and for all God's eternal purposes. Now we're just seeing those purposes fulfilled in time. Manifested in time. But it was all... It manifested in time, rather, but it was all fulfilled at the cross. And so, do you know that names, switching gears here a little bit, but we're still on on track, that names in the Scripture are deeply significant. And the names in the patriarchs from Adam to Noah strung together or made up as a sentence say this. And it's on here. Uh, if you go to the next slide. Earthly man was placed in frail flesh as his house, but the praise of God will descend to teach or initiate, and when he is dead, it shall be sent, the powerful one, the comforter. Translation. Next slide. Jesus from the tribe of Judah, meaning praise, will descend, and after His death on the cross and resurrection, the Holy Spirit shall be sent. Isn't that powerful? So we get this, we see that in Noah's story, it's also a shadow, or it's a type. And His name means to comfort. And so that the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, would be given through Jesus. And so this is another reason that the new covenant is a better covenant because God doesn't leave us alone, but He gives us His Spirit. He says not just to be with you, but to be in you. And I will not leave you as orphans, but I will come to you. And He led us out of bondage, says the Bible Project. And He's the obedient Israelite who perfectly follows the law of God. Indeed, he went into the darkest places of our lives and brought us in to the kingdom of light. I'd like you guys, I don't know if this is legal or not, but to stand with me and read this, and read this out loud in the middle of my sermon. This is the text for this morning. I already read, but I want to I read this with you to just let this about the new covenant sink in for us. If you can go to the next slide, Lily Kay. 
Let's read this out loud together. Christ is the mediator of a new covenant that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. And the Hebrew author also writes, if you can go to the next slide. He became a priest with an oath when God said to him, The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever. Because of this oath, Jesus has become the guarantor of a better covenant. Now, can you go to the next slide? Oh, there's one left? Okay, I'll finish. You guys can sit. Um, now, there have been many of those priests since death prevented them from continuing in office. But because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he's able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Amen. Amen. And he, the Bible Project says, he's the royal son of David who inaugurated God's kingdom in his life, death, and resurrection, and who now sits at God's hand, forever reigning as the one true king. We got a picture of this when Jesus was in the flesh, right? He came on earth and he made right everything that was wrong. He healed all who came to him of all manners of diseases, that wherever Jesus went, he brought his kingdom. He inaugurated his kingdom when he came. And he read of this mandate about him that Isaiah prophesied. That the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. And to set the captives, that's the victims, and the prisoners, that's the guilty, free. To recover the sight of the blind and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. But God also has given us His Spirit, as I said, to live in us. And I've heard it said, if the Spirit of God is in us, He's in us for us, but He's upon us for others. And so when God brings His kingdom, He doesn't just bring His kingdom to His church, but in covenant partnership, we advance His kingdom with Him. Our covenant is unto the advancement of his kingdom because it's unto Christ's return. Amen. Amen. And so we advance his kingdom till all nations have heard. And then Jesus says in the book of Matthew, I will return. This is our impetus for mission, right? And so like Jesus, as Christ, for it's no longer us who live, but Christ who lives in us. As Christ, the Spirit of the Lord is upon you. Because He's anointed you to preach good news to the poor. He's anointed you to set captives and prisoners free. To recover the sight of the blind. And proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And how many of you know that you can't give what you don't have in the kingdom? You can't proclaim the favor unless you've received the favor of God. Like Noah, who was a remnant, we are a remnant. Like Noah, who had favor with God and walked with God, we have favor with God and walk with God. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 
And so, years ago, I was at a men's retreat, and I remember the Lord was working through in me about all these performance issues, and fear of man, and fear of failure, and worrying about what other people think, you know. Um, and as he was doing that, he was beginning, he was imparting to me the fear of the Lord. And this was like the first in my life I was identifying with the fear of the Lord. I was, I was just going after God unabashedly. And this was like new to me. And it, and it just had to do with my recovery. Like, like I was, God was just cleaning me out of, of things and imparting new things to me. Anyway, I was in that place and we were in worship. And um, I was just going after God in worship. And I saw really clearly Daniel 7.22, this men's retreat. I still remember this and, and trying to minister out of this. One of the first times prophetically I'd heard the Lord. Um, so all of this was new in terms of the gifts and the fear of the Lord and um, for me years ago. And um, at that retreat, as I saw that, um, I, I began to contemplate it and I began to study it thereafter. But the verse says that um, the Ancient of Days judged in favor of the saints and they possessed a kingdom. The Ancient of Days judged. Now this is in Daniel, so he's prophesying. The ancient guys, when did, and so it's these two questions, it was these two questions for me. When did the Ancient of Days judge in favor of the saints? Right? It was at the point of the cross of Jesus Christ through his death and resurrection. And then it was manifested in our life through faith in Jesus when the Father drew us to himself, right? When did we possess a kingdom? At the same answer. (laughs) At the point of the cross of Jesus Christ, right? His death and resurrection, conquering sin and death. Jesus inaugurated his kingdom when he came. At his first coming, he inaugurated his kingdom. Remember what he said? He said, repent and believe the gospel for the kingdom of God is at hand. Right? And so he inaugurated his kingdom. And we, upon receiving Jesus as our Lord and Savior, through faith in Jesus Christ, we have favor with God and we possess a kingdom. We have favor with God and we possess a kingdom. Therefore, in His favor and power, we too walk in this Luke 4 mandate to proclaim the year of His favor. The Noahic covenant is an unconditional promise from God to mankind that He won't destroy the earth with the flood. It saves us from death. But the new covenant saves us from death to eternal life. Amen? And that's the difference. The flood didn't save us to eternal life. Or the, or the preservation from a flood. <laughs> Did not save us from that. And so, watch this now. In Genesis chapter 6, the beginning of Noah's story, the Lord said, My spirit will not contend with humans forever, for they are mortal. Their days will be 120 years. Now, numbers are very significant to God in the Bible. These numbers are never haphazard when God is talking about a number in the Bible. And oftentimes, 120 represents the Holy Spirit's coming. Um, When Solomon brought in the ark, 120 priests blew trumpets. And the glory of God came, and they couldn't continue to perform their duties. 120 waited in the upper room. 
at Pentecost. And the Holy Spirit fell on them at Pentecost, birthing the church. Okay? Now he says, and I'll read it again, My spirit will not contend with humans forever, the Spirit of the Lord, for they are mortal. Their days will be 120 years. We see from Genesis to Malachi, and especially between the two Testaments, Malachi, the 400 years of silence. Henry, you prayed that this morning when we were interceding this morning for the service. There were 400 years of silence between Ezra and Nehemiah's day that we just studied and Jesus' day. That in God's sovereignty, the Spirit of God's power and presence, His activity, decreased to that point. Decreased. He said, I'm not going to strive forever with man, for he is mortal. So yes, it meant that the life of man would be shortened, literally. Also, it meant that, and as, as there can be layers to the prophetic, mm-hmm. that in my sovereignty, I will decrease my power and my activity in, in my dealings with man until the time of Jesus. But, but, when Jesus comes and inaugurates his kingdom, He doesn't just inaugurate a kingdom. It's a kingdom that continues to increase until He returns. For Isaiah prophesied of the increase of His government and peace, there shall be no end. So brothers and sisters, I'm here to tell you that the days of the church, the best days of the church, are ahead of us, not behind us. That The kingdom of God is forcefully advancing that The Spirit of God is coming on all flesh in the days ahead. That that there is a flood coming. And that the waters of the glory of God, the knowledge rather, of the glory of God will cover the earth as the waters cover the seas. Amen? And this is all Bible. I'm just reporting the news. This is all just what God has said. And so we know that if... The Spirit of God's ministry, His activity in God's sovereignty has decreased from Malachi to Jesus. It will increase from Christ's first coming to His second. It's not just that He came and He comes sometimes. There is increase. And brothers and sisters, there are more people coming to Christ every day today in the earth than ever before. And I know I've said that before, but I just, again, it speaks to even in the natural God's supernatural activity, or in the literal, in in what we're seeing today, that God is advancing. And as we move closer and closer, what it means for us is a twofold picture that we are growing in purity as Christ's bride. For He's making ready a prepared people for His return, a pure bride. And He's also increasing us in power. And how He manifests His power among us. We are growing. If His kingdom is increasing like leaven in bread in its nature. Then we are growing in power. Because God, in the power that He manifests through us, I mean. That He is giving us in increasing measure His power. He said, you will do greater things than I do. Because I'm going to be with the Father. Brothers and sisters, this will continue to increase, I prophesy, in the days ahead. That the purity of Christ's bride and the power of the Holy Spirit at work through us to advance His kingdom will continue to grow. Heather, if you can come and play as I close.
Um, well, as we begin this Advent season, I want to I want to just close by um, saying that covenant activation leads to kingdom advancement. And covenant activation, brothers and sisters, is what I'm talking about is simply intimacy with Jesus. That we have a covenant of marriage with Jesus. And it's best expressed in our communal identity as His bride. Because the bride's His church. It's not each of us individually, right? It's us collectively. And so when we come together, when we talk about upper room, and right, we're not just saying like we're praying so we can check off a list. We're coming to commune with God in covenant relationship unto covenant, unto uh, kingdom partnership for Christ's return. And so I just want to close by speaking to covenant activation. And as we consider the Advent season, um, I think about waiting on the Lord. We're waiting on the Lord. When we talk about waiting on the Lord, we're talking about waiting with the Lord. Because God in His very essence is Emmanuel, God with us. And one other way to look at it is, there's probably other ways too, but another way to look at it is um, the anticipation of hope. When we wait on the Lord, we are hoping for what's to come, both in not yet places here and now, but also regarding Christ's return. But remember that as we wait on the Lord, we wait with hope because Jesus is the hope of glory inside of us. And so this hope isn't just some like wishful thinking kind of thing. This hope is His person made manifest. So when we wait, we encounter hope. We encounter tangible, perceivable hope as our impact calls it. <laughs> I remember that board meeting when the consultant was talking through language with us. <laughs> tangible, perceivable Um, But the person of Jesus Christ is the hope of glory inside of us. And so, as I close, I just want us to consider, and even to practice for a few minutes, um, covenant activation um, under kingdom partnership. You know, uh, the College of Prayer says, our highest privilege is to be called sons and daughters in Christ's kingdom. Our highest calling is to minister to the Lord. It's to be intimate with the Lord. So let's abide in Jesus, loving and adoring Him, receiving His love and adoration for this season. Let's walk in covenant activation for kingdom advancement. Amen. So right now, before Henry, are you closing? Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> so let's let's just worship the Lord a little bit uh, before you close, John. And um, let's just seek his face and practice this covenant activation.